This is the governor, Kane Womack, and you're listening to Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It's a lot of fun. So back again for another episode of the Fun Belt Podcast. I'm Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. I got it right. Got it correct. He doesn't always get it right. That's why I'm doing the intro today with Jeremy Harper from Howlraiser. I got his right as well. It's very easy to and remember. And from the Warhawk Report, our fearless leader, Dusty Thibodeau. We are actually in fall sports season with women's soccer going on. I think every, we all know like what the uh, – I think we've all been fe- following that super closely here the last sure. uh, few days because – for one thing, it's not. It's the only thing going on, but it's the only action we got follows Sun Belt sports as close as anyone, and I think it's looking pretty good so far. What do you guys think? Georgia State got that whooping. They they put up a, a twelve spot in soccer. On who? I don't even remember who they were playing, but twelve nothing. It doesn't really matter. Uh, You're just showing off at that point. Well, go. Yeah, exactly. Humiliating. I, you know what? If I'm the opposing coach, I just call timeout and I just silently take the team back to the bus and we move on to the next game. That is Is just like a dining dash where you just one at a time, you start walking out to the bathroom. Is that like, what's the, what what would be the football equivalent, like a American football equivalent of that score, 12 to zero? What would that be? Would that be something like, I don't know, 98 to zero or, or something like that. Yeah. Like I can't even yeah. imagine after when it gets to double digits, how you're even still taking shots. <laughs> yeah. Put in all the freshmen. Hey, put in fans. Let them get a crack at it. I, I, I like to think that Georgia State only scored two. The rest were on goals. <laughs> Anything's possible when you look at that score. <laughs> so JMU probably did pretty well. I believe they're 2 0. Is that right? They are 2 0. I saw who the opener. Else? I didn't see the second one, but uh, who else is two and O Tibbs? We know you have that data at your fingertips. The Monarchs, okay. The Herd, uh huh. Dukes, the Panthers, yeah. Viva La Boobcats, the Boobcats, and the Jags. Whoa! All right, those are six teams that we expected to be two and O. Right? They were. They're all pretty good. Any big upsets though? Like, is it all like Southwest? New Hampshire State, or are we seeing some good programs down there taking it on the chin? No, the, the Cajuns are one zero and one. They got a win over South Florida. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. All right. So there's there's your big possible upset, or or maybe it was expected. Early on in the year, you you wind up playing directional state, directional universities as as kind of your warm up, just like you do in football. Southern Miss, though, zero and two. But in the words of uh, former co-host Ben Moore, bless their hearts. <laughs> Who do they get? A 2 nothing loss to Ole Miss. Respectable. Okay. A 4-1 loss to LSU. Who uh, scheduled that? Why? Why Why are you, you opening with back-to-back just, SEC games? That's how you, you toughen up your team. Yeah, Arkansas State, by the way, opened with number eight Arkansas and received the beatdown. I only saw the first half before I gave up. It was something like... 6-0 when I left. I don't know what the final score was. 
and then uh, beat a directional team. So they're one and one. So Southern Miss, the only 0 and 2? Only 0 and 2. Everyone else has at least notched a win. Even ULM. Are you talking? Are you telling me even the Warhawks have a win? ULM got screwed by <laughs> giving up a goal that should have been offsides at mm. Tartleton State mm. and okay. rebounded with a 3 1 win at Sam Houston. Wow. Sam Houston? They, that, that's that's the USA soccer now, right? That's CUSA. And it was a road win at CUSA. So not only that, though, but volleyball is about to queue up. Am I right? Friday. Now, is there any program who has recently put together a brand new volleyball complex in the Sun Belt, one that rivals any Power Five volleyball complex, perhaps the best volleyball complex in all Sun Belt sports? If you had seen what that arena looked like when they were hosting uh, JMU basketball games there a few years uh-huh. ago and how it's been renovated, you'd been uh, pretty blown away, I think. I, you know, I've seen the pictures. I'm impressed. Yeah. It looked great. Yeah, I'm sure that w- recruits are looking at that and go, hmm, that is where I want to play my volleyball. Old Dominion's not too bad. It's it's pretty nice. Um, you know, it, maybe it's just not as new yeah. with, you know, some of the bells and whistles. And, you know, one of the nice things, at least for me, because I'll be sitting in the stands, is uh, ah. they put all nice chair back seats in there, not uh, bleachers, which is uh, – I think where they got a lot of people beat South Alabama. They've got, they've got their own volleyball specific gym. I think that's the big deal, you know, is when you can separate volleyball from the other sports where, you know, Marshall's the one that kind of surprised me a little bit. They haven't uh, ever gone for a, a separate volleyball facility because that just gets tough in November when, basketball is ramping up and and you've got three teams all trying to use the same floor all the time it it gets tough and um i think that's what the coaches at jmu are most excited about is that they leave their nets up 24 7 and players can go in and work out whenever they want and there's not there's not fighting to schedule practices around basketball games and concerts and everything else in the same building so i think that's one thing they really like and i think there's six teams in the Sun Belt that at least have their own volleyball gym where it's kind of. But did any of you catch on the Twitters, which is now X, by the way, I know I keep saying Twitter. I was a fan of Twitter, not a fan of X, but that's fine. On the X. I just say Twitter. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. It's Twitter. Did you see Cliff Ellis, head coach of the coastal Carolina Chanticleers basketball team singing Susie Q in front of a live audience. There was some video of this. Did you guys catch it? In the, in the Dominican. Was he in the Dominican? Well, they're down there right now for a little oh, round okay. robin, round country exhibition game. I saw that they were one and one, at least entering our Tuesday broadcast of the show. Maybe the shots are good. I know that they, they lost Mustafa from last year, so no more Egyptian wonder for the shots. Maybe, maybe Gracie McCall's playing some basketball for all we know. He could, he could, I bet he could suit up and give you 10. I'll tell you one thing though. I, I saw, I, I, I bring up Twitter a lot because I'm on Twitter a lot, but somebody, yes, you know, we know. Yeah. Well, this is where I get all my information. You know, these accounts that just kind of put together lists, you know, the top 10 receivers in the Sun Belt East or the top 12 assistants in the Big 12 or whatever. Well, this one had the top 
10 basketball coaches for the Sun Belt. Number one, Cliff Ellis. I, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> that was not a great list. No, I, I honestly don't know how I would rank no. the basketball coaches, but it would not be like he had them. I yeah, mean, he's I he's probably the all-time winningest coach, yeah, so yeah. I'll give him the number that's one probably slot where, there. That's probably that's not where even my it. biggest objection, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have a bigger objection. I think it's kind of hard to keep, you know, a Dustin Kearns or a oh, yeah. DJ Johnson like off the list entirely. Those guys have done a lot. Like they do less with more or more with less every year. Like I, I, I didn't I even know. notice they didn't make the list. All I yeah. saw was that was on top. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> now, granted, I, he's done good things. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's a solid basketball guy, right? We all like him. It's just. You, you don't you think of all these you know Scott Cross and Kearns and all these great basketball coaches coming out of the Sun Belt. You don't necessarily yeah. think, well, maybe Coastal's the good one. Yeah, the strong I mean, got stronger though in basketball. Scott oh. Cross hired Greg Young, former UTA head coach, the guy that succeeded him in no, the guy that succeeded who succeeded him at UTA is now his associate head coach. The Trojans now got two amazing guys leading that program. That's going to be my preseason pick for for men's basketball. Ooh, hey, jumping ahead a, f- a few weeks, <laughs> basketball. That's smart. Yeah, getting getting ahead. When do we start talking about basketball? The games start what November. That's right. yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll, start, <clears throat> they'll start doing some media days and stuff in October. I'm guessing so. Back to New Orleans. I forget, Tibbs, did you go to New Orleans last year for that? No. Okay. Because they told me, I think, on a Saturday, and it was like that Monday or Tuesday or something like that, there was was no way I could have made it. You know who should go? Noah. Well, we know Noah, who (laughs) who truly cares about the integrity that his journalism is going to be there. But but I think maybe from the fun belt podcast it should be shane metlin i mean he made us go to the football one i would love to okay i would love to they they didn't pick a good time for it last year or give us much notice but um, it wasn't much notice wasn't it kind of like hey we just decided to have a live yeah i think it was sort of like hey remember how we wanted to like uh make basketball a bigger deal yeah yeah. we should do a media day (laughs) good idea yeah (laughs) wait tomorrow yeah, a lot of us have real jobs. All right, so, you know, football, are we in the, is this week zero? Are we in week zero? Are we currently living inside of week zero? Yes, where we is have games kicking off on this upcoming Saturday. UMass and somebody are, are on ESPN, while yeah. USC and San Jose State are on the good old Pac-4. Gas station pump express. I would much rather see UMass play than. And who's who's UMass playing? Who we New got Mexico play? State. Yes. What a coming off a bowl game. game like New Mexico State. That's a good one. <laughs> Former Sun Belt punching bag New Mexico State playing UMass, projected by many as the worst team in FBS this year. That to me is going to be a great game. I cannot wait to watch that game. What else yeah. we got? We can't watch San Jose and 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 USC because many of us don't have the Pac twelve back then. 
Pac-4 network? We don't have that. Who else is playing in week zero? Does anybody have a schedule up? In week zero. Good work. So Saturday, August 26th, we have Navy and Notre Dame in Dublin, Ireland. Oh, okay. All right. Kind of a gimmick game. I like it. The debut of Jack State and Rich Rod in Conference USA Uh hosting UTEP. Okay. San Diego State and some action with Ohio. Hawaii Vandy with Vandy's uh, construction-ridden stadium. I saw a photo of this. It's like their whole end zone's gone, right? Yes. I don't know why they decided to start that August 1st, but that was their game plan, and they're the smartest guy in the room, so good for them. And then closing out the nightcap, Florida International and the school in Ruston. (laughs) That would be Louisiana Tech. For those who are not filled with hatred for the Bulldogs, which I am not, I'd say bring the bring La Tech into into Sunbelt. That would be fantastic. Should we be upset that Sunbelt shut out of Week Zero? I don't think so. I think no, those. Guys, I want Week One. I wouldn't want to play on Week Zero. Would you guys want like your favorite Sunbelt team playing in Week Zero? Depends on what the niche was. Like, uh, give me an example. Uh, playing in Dublin, Ireland, I think that's oh, pretty damn cool. Mexico City, you know, uh, well, yeah. not Hawaii right now. No, no. Maybe in Canada. Okay, so like a cool location, you're saying that would yeah, you'd be fine with a week zero game. What what if it was a preview like, of the Bahama Bowl? What if it was like ULM versus I don't know, like somebody, some storied program like Michigan, and you played it on a battleship. I'm not sure I mean, that would work as well. <laughs> Sebastian, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing it surrounded by like P40 Warhawks. Yeah. And yeah, if so you it's all too deep or too far out of bounds. Off off goes the uh, player. It's you got to throw out like, the light buoy. I like the Canada idea oh. Tibbs had, you know. Um, okay. you know, Sunbelts put up the, you know, billboards in New York and LA, like building their brand up. Mm-hmm. You know, go to Toronto, play, play in the Sky Dome, and, uh, and since, you, know. you know, and since footprints don't matter, maybe we start recruiting some Canadian schools. Well, you know, maybe, maybe not so much football players, but like, you know, maybe some Canadian kids will see their first American college football game and be like, oh yeah, that coastal Carolina on the beach looks pretty nice, or you know, those mountains in Virginia or wherever, like. You know, Arkansas State in recent years have picked up a couple of Canadians, and they've been all right. Yeah, we had a guy named Justin McGinnis, big six-six receiver, ran, ran like a giraffe. He was great. He was a Canadian. Or we yeah. talk about adding sports all the time. Maybe we'll have ice hockey teams. I, I know what is that? Kids would love to have an ice hockey. Team. I would love to have hockey, but yeah, I I always <laughs> joke that what is that because there was a minor league hockey team in Monroe when I was in college there, and and. Uh, I think they made the playoffs one year and basically got one and done. But yeah, it was uh it was a good drunk fest, good fight fest. That was about it. But yeah, you know, I used to watch the hockey in Memphis. The River Kings. River Kings, thank you. Yeah. And uh you know, that's that's good fun. You know, you got guys slamming against the glass. I would take some ho- hockey. I don't know how <laughs> what Sunbelt hockey would look like. <laughs> I was I was joking about Sunbelt hockey, but no, I'm not joking. No. You know, speaking of Canadian students, I was going to save this as a parting shot, but I'm just going to go ahead and 
deliver it now. This is how you know you're getting old, guys. So it was announced who would be inducted into the Arkansas State Sports Hall of Fame. And one of them was a guy that was a good friend of mine when I was at college there. He was a Canadian golfer, Brian McCann, played from, I guess, 1992 to 1996 when I was there, being inducted into the Arkansas State Sports Hall of Fame. Wiley Canadian. And that was the thing that Arkansas State actually recruited a lot of Canadian golfers because you can golf, you know, almost 365 days a year in Arkansas. In Canada, you can only golf maybe eight months out of the year if you're lucky. Yeah, I saw on Twitter you were saying you were friends with Brian McCann. I thought you were talking about the baseball player. No, not, no, no. The, that's a different Brian McCann. <laughs> yeah, I figured catcher. it out. I, I looked at the I looked at the <laughs> X more closely and I figured it out. But uh... no, he was a golfer, and he, quite frankly, he would not have made it a second as a Atlanta uh, Brave. He, he 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 was, you know what? He was one of these guys that I would take to the Tunica Casino. We'd load up my car full of Canadian golfers. And we'd go to underage to Tunica and we'd all be like, okay, we got to play it cool, right? We got to look like we're adults so we don't get kicked out. And he'd wear his baseball cap backwards and immediately order something stupid at the bar like a Caesar and then get us thrown out. And he'd be like, I don't know why we got thrown out because you look like a kid. You didn't order a beer. You ordered a dumbass drink. Don't you know how to be an adult? Speaking of being an adult. The army is set to invade the fun belt once again this year. And we again? had Joe from Go Black Knights to give us the breakdown of Army as they get ready to host and travel into the Sun Belt. Jeremy, since 2019, yeah. the good old Fun Belt has been invaded by the Army every single year. It makes it st- makes you wonder. Why doesn't Army just join the Sun Belt? It's it's that it's that regional rivalry, and, and we have no military experts. No. I mean, there's the Cajun Navy maybe in South Louisiana, yeah, but there's not yeah. really the military president presence to to justify having West Point in the league. Let me make an argument. Actually, it's it's not a bad uh, not a bad decision. Let me make an argument. You got you know. Louisiana, you got Fort Polk. Georgia, you got Fort Benning. Uh, Carolinas, you got Fort Bragg. You got Fort Jackson. Decent military presence. It's it's probably actually a better better decision than what we were talking about earlier. Them joining the MAC. I actually would prefer the Fun Belt. I think we got Fort Smith in Arkansas, so we got plenty of of, of, of bases for 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 army to land and, and mount their assault on the sun belt. But you see the military guys, Joe there from go black joins us. They're going to dictate it, man. Maybe, maybe we just wave the white flag and allow army in already. I mean, they're already playing at ULM then host Troy and coastal Carolina this year. And like I said, every year since 2019, they've, they've been filling the belt against the army. Fared well against ULM, but but not against other teams. Joe, tell us, what are these Black Knights going to be like this year? Dusty, that's that's the uh, million-dollar question, only I'm not being paid a million dollars to answer it. But uh, <laughs> It's a parlay um, bet. So I, I got to renegotiate my contract with rivals and Charles. Um, so, you know, I it could go anywhere, right? Um, 
they could honestly be as good as nine and three, 10 and two, um, or they could totally spit the bit and come out like three and nine. Uh, there's a ton of question marks. Um, as we were talking about before we came on air, uh, the top three quarterbacks graduated. Um, Andre Carter, our best defensive player, is off to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Marquel Broughton, who led the team in tackles, was two two year defensive co-captain, graduated, going to go do great things in the Army. Um, and, you know, most importantly, uh, Brent Davis and the Flexbone is out. And Drew Thatcher and a brand new gun triple option is in. You kick off the year, headed to my neck of the woods, northeast Louisiana, to play the Warhawks, a team that has not fared well against Army in this the finale of the three-game set, resulting in the the, the COVID signature, so to say. <laughs> what can we expect whenever we see those Black Knights come into town? And and I mean, is this going to be another whooping for the Warhawks, or do you think the Warhawks have a chance this year, <laughs> knowing they're catching early uh, Army early, which is usually the best time to play them? You know, I think if last year's game in Mikey Stadium, it was close for the first half, and then Army kind of pulled away late. Um, the the Warhawk fans did get to see uh, potentially one of Army's two starting quarterbacks this year. Bryson Daly came in and mop up duty at the end of the game and ran for like a thirty or forty yard touchdown, I think. Um, so there, Bryson's got a 50, 50 chance of being a starter this year. I think, you know, I think there's that, I think, like you said, I think it's good for the Warhawks that they're catching army early, brand new offense, brand new quarterback. Um, you know, army could put the ball on the ground a lot, which we know, you know, their formula for success has been winning the turnover battle. They win almost every single game, like most teams in college football, win almost every single game that they win the turnover battle. The kind of number one core value of the offense has been no turnovers, right? And um, there's a good chance that some turnovers happen. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Army defense. Um, you know, I think Army goes into the game, most of what I've been seeing, they're about a two-touchdown favorite. Um, you know, I, I'm an Army guy, but I would probably take the Warhawks and the points at home, honestly. If Army holds on to the ball, I think they have a good chance of, of winning by a couple of touchdowns, but they start turning the ball over, giving the Warhawks extra possessions, there could be a lot of problems. The other well, X just... factor of that, Joe, is we're banning Jeremy from watching it because he didn't watch the first half of last year's game, turned it on at the, at the end of the half, and, yeah. and we saw what happened. So I was completely going to take the blame for that. You know, first of all uh, – Tibbs was so excited about the game. He had it marked on his calendar. He, he, I think he had friends over. Is that right? Didn't you have a watch? We had party? an alumni watch party. Yeah, and it was like, and I, I was, you know, I'm cruising through Sunbelt scores, see the Warhawks are ahead. I'm like, all right, good for the Warhawks. I like yeah. this. I'll switch it on, and it was just immediately just Army just pounding through the uh, defensive line like there was like they like I don't know I guess I, what you need to do is ask me to watch the game Joe and then I'll go ahead and yeah and take, Jeremy I'll get you payment. you know <laughs> I'll, can we can we make sure ULM sets you up with like a special sideline pass or something maybe that that might help I don't know <laughs> and you know just even yeah something to make it to where the game doesn't have to be so close at the beginning so you don't have to have that right. heart attack I don't have to stress for 30 minutes yeah that would make my life easier so with all this realignment going on, Joe, I mean, it's it's stupid for everybody. It's stupid for the Sun Belt. It's stupid for the Mac. It's stupid for Pac-12 or Pac-4. Everything's <laughs> stupid right now. Is it going to be stupid for Army? 
Yeah, I think so. I think it, I, I agree with you, Jeremy. I think it's stupid for everyone. I don't see honestly how it helps anyone except maybe the SEC. <laughs> um, <laughs> if it even helps them. Um, yeah, I think the challenge, right, is as a 1A independent, um, you know, I think with these mega conferences, depending on how many conference games everybody needs to play, it makes it tougher and tougher for Army to get a full schedule, which is part of the reason the last two seasons you've seen them had to schedule two FCS teams, which at the end of the day hurts Army's bowl eligibility because they can only count one of those two wins. So like last year they won six games, but were not bowl eligible because two of them were against FCS teams. What does that do also though when – we're seeing the formation of these mega conferences and, and I see kind of middle of the year, y'all go to death Valley there to take on the LSU Tigers, number five preseason poll. Does it make it harder to get those games? Or do you feel that that is just the way it's going to be that, that you have limited opportunities to really try to sneak those on the schedule? Yeah. So if you look at army schedule this year, clearly there's only one team with the prestige and whatever of, of LSU. Um, they're not playing anybody have, else course. in the top Oh, wait, no, 10. Troy. Troy's but, the Sunbelt champion. That's, that's the that's other true. team with the prestige. It's true. We do have the Trojans. So, uh, you know, um, the there's not a ton of chances to play top 10 teams, which is probably a good thing for the health of the team. But um, they do have three P5s on the schedule this year. They also have Syracuse and BC, um, which is nice. Uh, you know, I think for the last pretty much every year, except maybe last year, Army's had a marquee top 10 or top 20 opponent on the schedule. And I think as long as those teams have an open date, um, they'd be willing to schedule Army. I think we have a few. I, I haven't looked at a lot of the future schedules recently, but I do think we have some big ones on there for a while. Um, you know, the fact that they're no longer running the flex bone and able to cut people. And it's not, you know, the offense army is going to be running a lot more similar to coastal Carolina, I think. Um, so while it's still unique, I don't think the, the sec schools will freak out as much about trying to face it as like, you know, I remember Saban, he, he faced Jeff Munkin when Munkin was at Georgia Southern and Georgia Southern almost beat him. Right. So Saban's like, no, I would never schedule Army. But like, I think now that we're a little more traditional, it makes it a little more palatable. Um, and I think, you know, the prestige of, of kind of playing a historical great football program like Army um, is big for the fans, especially if it's around the military base, uh, you know, in a, in a big military community. So LSU, I think, you know, it makes sense for them to kind of get that one on their calendar. It's it's better than playing an FCS team. And, uh, you know, they're, they're looking at it as an auto win against a uh, pretty well-known D1 program, at least. You know, Joe, I, I, I know that you, you've got a couple of FCS programs on there, but you have some really good group of five guys on there. It's not like like you're just sort of, uh, you know, paying, playing the bottom of the barrel. We got UTSA, which which led the their I, I guess they led the conference last year. You have Troy that led their division and led the Sun Belt. You have Coastal Carolina who won their division. Uh, you know, Air Force always seems to be good lately. You've got a lot of great matchups on this schedule. This is, uh, in my recollection, the hardest schedule in the Jeff Munkin era going back to 2014. Um, like you said, six teams were playing, made bowls last year. 
Um, there's three P5s. There's a really good group of G5s across the board. Air Force is always tough. Navy's always like, you never know what you're going to get. That's always a crapshoot. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the only gimmies on the schedule, and I, if Monken or anybody hears me say this, they'll probably get mad at me for saying there's any gimmies, but Delaware State and, <laughs> and maybe UMass. And every even Holy Cross, who's an FCS, they were number five and their preseason number five in FCS. They made it to the FCS like semis or quarters last year. Um, so even that's not like a walkover. Um, yeah, it is one of the toughest schedules in Army history that I remember, you know, not history, history, but in the last 10, 20 years. Um, and so I think that presents this as a difficult season as well, which is why I've said, you know, six and six commander in chief's trophy in a bowl would be a super successful season this year, honestly. It was a dogfight last year in lower Alabama as y'all took on Troy. It was a 10-9 final. What do you see this year as, as you kind of look back at that game? Do you see that being another dogfight, or do you think that it's uh, kind of one side or the other is going to uh, really pull away at that? Yeah, Dusty, that was a uh, that was a heartbreaker. That was a tough one, right? Army Army blew a red zone scoring chance, which is unusual uh, turnover in the red zone. Um, second half, the offense completely bogged down, did nothing. Um, you know, uh, Troy has Troy's DC. Um, his name slipped in my mind, but he was the safeties coach at Army under Nate Woody, so he knew that offense really well. Did a great job. Um, and then we missed the field goal to win it at the end of the game. So I think, um, you know, I don't know how good Troy's going to be this year. I don't know if they're going to be as good as they were last year. I don't really know what to expect there. But the fact that the game is a little later in the season, it's in Mikey Stadium, which has been a huge home field advantage for Army. Uh, one of the best home field advantages in all of college football, actually. Um, and the fact that Army has a new offense that I think barring injuries should be humming along pretty smoothly by then. Um, I'm hopeful that, that actually army wins that one by at least, you know, 10 points or so. And then, as you mentioned, this uh, new army offense is really similar to coastal Carolina. Mm. Maybe it's the trap game. Cause it's right before an off week. And then the army Navy game, it'll be the last time. Also you get to face Grayson McCall. What'd y'all see as y'all face the, the shots in the past and, and what are you expecting this year? Man, I mean, Grayson McCall is, you know, last year we faced Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, and I think Grayson McCall is probably the number two quarterback. We played um, – Grayson McCall is just a beast. He can do it all, runs that offense to perfection. Um, you know, I don't know what changes there are going to be with the new coaching staff and everything there at Coastal. Hard to say, you know, if the if the culture will continue. I mean, I think I'm, Chadwell is going to do great up at Liberty – I'm super shocked he wasn't offered a P5 job. Like, I just think Chadwell was an offensive genius and a great culture builder. Um, you know, I currently have Army as an underdog to, Carol to Coastal just because of Grayson McCall and some of the skill guys there. Um, but by that point in the season, you know, who knows? Um, Army could be really successful, could exceed expectations, and it is a home game, so that'll help. Um, but I, I think right now I'd have to pick Coastal in that one. How has West Point really contended and, and competed against NIL and that whole fiasco from the NCAA? Yeah, so I get asked this question a lot, Dusty, and uh, surprisingly, 
I don't think NIL has as negative impact on West Point as a lot of people would think it does. I think transfer portal is way worse. Super seniors are way worse. But I think NIL, um, you know, the way the coaching staff has packaged it and sold it is, you know, most of the kids were recruiting. They're not the uh, Travis Hunters who are going to go play for Coach Prime and make millions of dollars or the kids who are being recruited by Jimbo down at A&M to go make millions of dollars. We're recruiting two stars, three stars, right? The same kind of kids a lot of times that end up in the fun belt, right? So, you know, I'm guessing, I could be wrong, there's not a ton of NIL money floating around the Sun Belt for the most part. There might be a little here and there, but not a boatload, right? So yeah. what we have instead of NIL is, look, at West Point, you're a member of the regular Army. From day one, you get paid a salary. Now, it's not a lot of money. It's enough to cover your pizzas, basically. But you uh, you get you get paid a salary, and that that increase the amount you keep increases through your four years there. When you graduate, you're guaranteed a job as a second lieutenant in the army, which I think the going rate now is about sixty five thousand a year. Uh, you know, not going to make you rich, but it's not a bad starting job right out of college. And the average salary of graduates over the age of forty at the U.S. Military Academy is like 140 or 150,000 a year. So the sales pitch that the coaches use when they're recruiting is, look, you can make a four-year decision and go to random mid-major G5, or you can make a 40-year decision and come here and you do what you're supposed to do and your life's going to be awesome. Um, and now we even have the carrot that if you're really amazing, like Andre Carter, you could go sign in the NFL potentially. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of how they get around NIL. We're not typically recruiting kids that are going to make big money in NIL anyway. So this is actually a better deal for them in a lot of cases than, say, going to Fordham or Buffalo or wherever. Joe, always great to talk Black Knights and looking forward to that invasion once again of the Army into the Sun Belt this upcoming season. We're excited about it. Always provides great, great, great games, great competition. Got a lot of respect for the teams in the Sun Belt. So thank you guys a ton, Dusty and Jeremy. Appreciate you having me on. Shane, you missed out as we talked with Army as they get set to essentially join the Sun Belt. Again. Playing Troy, ULM, and Coastal Carolina. But more importantly, they have a new offense similar to Coastal Carolina. Interested to see how that rendition goes not only with Jeff Munkin at the helm, but how are the Army fans going to feel as they start venturing more and more away from that wishbone into that kind of flex offense there that we've all grown accustomed to? Enough of that, though. And now for something completely different. Plugs, promos, parting shots. Shane, what do you have? Uh, guess I'll just plug dnronline.com slash sports you can read all of our coverage of jmu and uh the rest of the Sun Belt, and yeah just check it out i'll keep it simple tonight now what does dnr stand for daily news record <laughs> <laughs> you let surprise winning daily news record that's false advertising once again <laughs> jeremy please give us something better than than just a a simple plug uh, it's a plug. I'm sorry. You know, I'm in it for the money. I'm trying to get this bag, Tibbs. 
And uh, I put together, like, somebody... All right. Remember in 2017, Tibbs, there was this this dark moment in Sunbelt history where Sunbelt teams, like, in a matter of, like, two weeks, got beat three times by FCS programs. To me, it was Shit one... Happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you don't you don't view that as harshly as I do, but I do. And I was like, oh God, the Sun Belt is really struggling. Since then, since that time in 2017, the Sun Belt has only been upended one time by the FCS, and that was by Texas State. Incarnate War word in 2021 upset Texas State at Texas State. That's the last time a Sun Belt team has been uh, upended by the FCS. But technically, the last Sunbelt team to lose to an FCS team, guess who it is? This is very technical, though. It's the, James Madison. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they lost. They didn't win championship there last year. So No, what was that? North Ter- Dakota State in the... North Dakota State, line? yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that was... <laughs> I don't know if that truly counts. But my point is, since that time in 2017, the Sun Belt has really kind of put that cork into that into that sort of that that mess with the FCS where we are constantly at odds, where we're in danger of losing all the time. So it's been five years since, well, we've had that one unfortunate loss to Incarnate Word. And then Texas State took revenge, right? They took the coach, G.J. Kinney, right? So that's what happens when you mess around with the Sun Belt. We will take your coach. So anyway, I wrote a little story about the and and listed every last FCS loss for each Sun Belt team. Take a look at it on Hellraiser.com and see if you agree with any of my insight and wisdom. That was a painful one for ULM, up 24-0 at the half before losing 27. 24. You still, I mean, you always remember the last FCS loss for Arkansas State was against UCA, and it was bitter. Bitter game. And the the worst part about it is the receiver that caught it was a Monroe kid that <sighs> was not, per the coaching staff, good enough to play at ULM. Oh God, a revenge catch to win the game. Damn. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to plug as well. Warhawk Report. Dropping preseason game previews as we get closer and closer to the season opener against Army. It's here, guys, and I am looking forward to it. Fun Belt podcast twice a week. It's going to be good times. Recaps, previews, and maybe even Jeremy showing up sober. (laughs) That would be a first. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.